Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. Hey everybody, Seamart here. Welcome to a brand new episode of Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Today we have joining us for the third time, we have, believe it or not, a guest who has returned not once, not twice, but thrice. A member of the three-timers club, actually. But a few guests come back. But making his third appearance today is Bruce Zick. You might remember him. We had him on a while ago. He was here talking about his comic, The Zone Continuum. This time he's here talking about another comic, Terminal Point. Uh, which is a really cool kind of time-traveling action uh, sci-fi thriller. Uh, I guess you could call it. It's a very cool mashup of a lot of different genres. Uh, I think you should check it out because it's, uh, it's a really good comic. Before we get to that, though, let's uh, make a few announcements. This weekend, if you're in Rochester, New York, come check us out at the Flower City Comic Con. Uh, that is at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Some of the guests they're going to have are uh, Colin Baker, one of the doctors himself, Colin Baker, uh, is going to be there. Uh, Bruce Boxleiter, who was uh, from Babylon 5, from countless 80s TV shows. Uh, Austin St. John, he's the Red Ranger. Come on, he's another awesome guest. Uh, we have some comic guests also, Joe Jusco, Larry Hama, one of the creators of G.I. Joe, uh, and two friends of the show, Bill Anderson and Doug Arthur, are going to be there. Uh, so check it out. That's this weekend, May 20th and 21st at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Now, without further ado, here we go. Bruce Zick talking Terminal Point on Transmissions from the Evil Lair. What's going on, everybody? This is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. So I am Seamart. And I'm Undies of Wendy. And we have a very special returning guest today in the, the Three Timers Club. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's a round of applause That's for that. That's like, like, you should get an award just for this because you put up with us for <laughs> th- three whole podcasts now. Three so. separate times. Yeah. Um, Sounds Three times and you're out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but coming back today, joining us once again, we have Bruce Zick, uh, who you may remember he was here last time to talk about uh, the Zone Continuum, uh, which is a book he had worked on uh, originally in the '90s, right? And we're reprinting it at the time. That's that's well. Let's see. Uh, I had a new book that came out last year that was all new stories, and then there was also oh, a reprint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then a reprint of the original also came out. Okay. Uh, and today we're here to talk about uh, another book, another project uh, from the 90s that's now getting reprinted again, correct? That is correct, sir. Uh, it's uh, Terminal Point. Uh, why don't you tell us a little... Ugh, let me just stumble all over that. Yeah, words. Yeah. Go. Words are hard. Um, Terminal Point, excuse me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, ter- Terminal Point was uh, a book I did for Dark Horse back in the 90s. And it was part of a, a period of, of time when I was doing black and white books and uh, using this 
paper called Duo Shade paper that gave you a, two gray tones in it. So it became sort of rendered, uh, lushly illustrated black and white artwork. And yeah. the zone. It's a very striking art style. It's it's really like, I love it. it and I was reading the little thing you had uh, the, in the prologue to uh, Terminal Point about this special paper. Like, and it, 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 the look, it, it's the same kind of the look and feel as um, a zone continuum, the, the same you know, right. art style. Right. And uh, so the zone first used that paper, and then I did. Uh, Terminal point and I sort of I think perfected the style of it a, a bit more and uh, Interestingly when I did new stories last year of the zone after 20 some years I wanted to do it again on that paper Only to find out that they they don't don't make it anymore and I couldn't Kind of continue in that style that I really love oh, wow. so, uh, I've, I've just adapted to be doing more just traditional black and white inking and then color although you can duplicate it if you really really want to you can do it digitally in photoshop but i don't know it just wasn't the same experience for me as as to having the actual paper and the brush and the inks to to do the art style so did you find uh, that kind of uh, that like affected you creatively like working in you know basically a new medium now right well it was sort of time i think for me to move on to color and uh and rely less on gray tones and more on just the use of color to to carry on a vision that i have and so uh, i missed i missed it doing duo shade but i was ready for something new at the same time and, yeah. and so uh i i really do love working in color um but but a friend of mine has um told me that he has some of the paper laying around and I think I can get enough maybe to uh, do about 12 or 14 more pages of new duo shade art. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on the next Zone Continuum book for Dark Horse so I'm going to have like a backstory in it that's going to be all, uh, uh, all new duo shade art which may be the last <laughs> Might be the last ever duo shade art. The last duo shade art that will ever be done. And and the funny thing was I didn't think I had any of the special chemical inks for it. So I, I put a call out onto the internet, all my friends on Facebook and Twitter, trying to find somebody who had some of the inks laying around, uh, the chemical inks, and nobody had it. And then I, I, I just went through my studio and cleaned out things, and I actually found the two pristine, unopened, unused bottles that have been sitting around for 20 years. Oh, wow. So wait, so did that like expire or anything like that, or? Well, it it's so, uh, this they were so well sealed tight that um, it it uh, didn't evaporate, which is the biggest problem is that the, mm -hmm. the liquid just, it just turns into crystalline powder after a while, but the, this tight, the seal was so tight that it it survived intact. Oh wow! So this this is I mean literally the last time anyone could ever create like on this medium. That's like I would be like I would I would be really like kind of honored and like freaked out by that at the same time. <laughs> right. I, I I think it deserves its own whole new press release when the the new artwork comes out. You know the yeah the last the last uh, duo shade art ever. Uh, in all history, yeah, so it's kind, you know. 
So that's something to look forward to in the next year. <laughs> it's weird to think that, like, you know, a whole art medium is now, like, defunct, though. Like, you know, right. times are yeah. changing. Well, I, I do, I mean, if somebody really wants to do it, they, they can do it digitally. It, it, but I don't think anybody really it's cares. It's the same, though. That's like, manu like, you know what I mean? It's not... Right. It's not real. Right. It's, not organic, it's like saying, you know? like, yeah, I can make an animatronic dinosaur, but that's right. a right. real dinosaur. <laughs> hey, are you, are you calling me a dinosaur? Hey, <laughs> wait a minute. No. What are those cool Jurassic Park dinosaurs, though? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, the, uh, the style was uh, really uh, an amazing style in the 50s that Wally Wood and Jack Davis uh, were doing in the very first Mad Magazines that were in black and white. Mm -hmm. and, and if anybody's interested and they Google, you know, Wally Wood and Jack Davis Mad Magazine in the 50s, you'll see the most remarkable duo shade artwork. I mean, what I, what I did doesn't even uh, light a candle for the kind of work that they were doing. But, but it really inspired me to want to do it, just looking at what they were doing back then. Yeah, I mean, it really is nothing, like, it's, not, it's not anything like out, excuse me, I am like just horrible tonight. Yes, it's nothing good. like anything that's out right now. Everything, you know, uh, we were just saying is kind of digital and kind of like sterilized. And it's just such a, right. uh, it's, it's so different that it, you can't help but like it catches your eye. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, kind of the... The versus the 2D animation and the, the 3D animation that they have now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all the old Disney movies were in 2D animation. Now they're moving yeah. into the 3D animation. And it's like, I like it and it's cool, but it's not the same. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I kind of hope that 2D animation will find a way to come back and, and make a lot of money, which I, I think the... The Frog Princess was it? The Frog Princess that yes, Disney. I love that movie. I, yeah. I think that that was the last two D movie, and I think it it didn't do that well. And maybe they felt like, well, that's the end of that. I also feel like they didn't promote that movie well. Right. Now I, I think I, I think there will be a resurgence of it at some point. If only. I mean, I mean, if only for nostalgia, like they still have TV shows in two D. Like you know what I mean? They're yeah, still yeah. TV shows in two D. I don't think it's ever gonna go away. Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching the the new Samurai Jack uh, episodes. Oh God, I have not yet. I'm very oh. excited though. And it's you know it's good old two D. It's it's real simple and uh, very powerful, very graphic. I, I'm just really loving the artistic uh, design choices in that. Wait, yeah. but does the Scotsman come back? <laughs> the Scotsman. Uh, well, I've only seen the first two episodes so far, so not yet. Okay. That episode is like the one episode of Samurai Jack that just sticks out in my brain. I can't remember. I don't recall it offhand. He's like just a Scottish guy. That's uh -huh. all I remember. Okay. It's like him like fighting a Scottish guy. That's all. <laughs> all right. It's very blurry. Hey, I was young uh, when that show came out. I, uh, I remember the first episode of that show was just so mind-blowing. It was completely... I think there, there wasn't, like, a single word of dialogue in the first, like, half hour. I think it was, like, a two-hour movie or so. And, right. But, you know, you still got an entire story. You knew who everybody was, like, you know, what had gone on. It was just so amazing. Like, yeah, the that, animation's great, and, like, I just, I love, um, 
I literally love uh, old tsunami shows. So <laughs> okay, just... well. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I hope it does well. I mean, I, I, I just love that whole approach to, to, to animation. And, uh, you know, he, he Jendi Tartowski, or I'm not sure yes. if I'm, uh, he went on to do the Clone Wars, and then he did uh, the, really? uh, I didn't know that was him. Yeah. The Transylvania, uh, the Transylvania Hotel, or what was that? Transylvania. Didn't know that was him either. I just know him from Powerpuff Girls, like all those old tsunami shows. But, but you know, when he went to 3D, it really lost his unique style approach. and, yeah, and struck, that's why I didn't start, know it was him. It, it just started looking like what everybody else was doing, and now he's back doing graphic design, so I'm, I'm real happy to see that. Yeah, he did uh, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory was him too, which I, I love that show. It's just, it never gets old for me. Like, I could watch it for hours. Yeah. Um, back to uh, back to Terminal Point. Um, that was quite a digression, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, speaking of segues, it always happens. It really does. <laughs> that's yeah, it's pretty much our standard. It's it's a feature of our show at this point. Just like, hey, yeah. so do you want to talk about one topic? We'll go completely to another. Yeah, it's topic, topic roulette every show. Yeah. Oh my god, we should play that though, like a bull. Uh, if you don't rein me in, then we're in a lot of trouble because I'll I'll go uh, uh, at a complete ninety degree angle somewhere. <laughs> hey, you know what I just noticed though? We've done like two whole podcasts and no one's made reference to Buffy. Way to kill that streak. There we go. Yeah. I just had to. It was just <laughs> pissing me off. No one talked. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, put it back into the topic roulette. You know. Uh, yeah. Put it back. Topics. Put it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to terminal point. I I uh, didn't get all the way through it, but I was reading it. It's really like. It's an interesting story. It's it starts off. Uh, it's it, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to like uh, without being spoilery. Like it's very sci-fi. You start off like in a battle scene, almost something like reminiscent. Uh, I would say out of like an 1800s like British, you know, like type of like story. Yeah, where it's like it's this more advanced fighting you know force, kind of like going up against these natives. Right. Yeah, 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 it's not there. You know, I'm not saying it is a British type of thing, but it has that feel to it. Um, and then, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. The British Empire in the in the India or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, time travel jumps into it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Which we know that you're a fan of literally anything that has to do with time travel. It's like if there's time travel, you're pretty much sold. As, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, again, I don't because I don't want to. I'm sorry to just describe it in general terms, but I don't want to be spoilery. But it kind of jumps to 1940s Manhattan, which is really cool. Yeah, I think we're, you can go ahead and, and uh, give away a bunch of uh, the story just because I think it's it might entice people to want to read it. That, so uh, we can we can uh, spoil away for uh, as long as you don't give away the very ending. Uh, but <laughs> I actually you can't you see it, so you haven't read it yet. So yeah. I think we're. But, but yeah, it's, you know, you know what inspired uh, the idea for it for me was I was watching uh, an old uh, western called Western Union, okay, black and white cowboy movie about uh, the team that ran the first telegraph wire line through the Wild West to set up, you know, the Western Union essentially and. I feel like and, I may have seen this movie just because my best friend growing up, his father was obsessed with old westerns. 
so okay. maybe I like was forced to sit through that at some point. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, I, I was uh, so intrigued with the, the idea that you had these these workers basically, you know, working for the company, but they had to go and and plant these poles and string wire out in the west in the middle of nowhere in hostile territory you know indians and and wild animals and you know i mean these guys were out on their own trying to survive just just to string that wire yeah it's not like if you get hurt you can call an ambulance or something like if these right. guys like you know break an ankle or something like they're pretty much dead out there like you know you can get like you said you can get attacked i mean there's any number of things that can happen out there so I, I just watched this movie and I went, hmm, there, there's an idea here. And uh, so I think between that and then my, my love for 40s film noir kind of urban movies, uh, I, I sort of started stringing an idea together, uh, which became the, the plot line for Terminal Point, basically, uh, is that the, the main character is, uh, is a prototype a uh, new generation of uh, sort of e mutated, evolved uh, individuals who are essentially running the wire for the company, but in in an ultra-dimensional matrix of all realities. And so they go to a place here, they go to a place there, they put a, a beacon, they install a beacon in these frontier realms of other dimensions, and when all these beacons are all finished by all these these individuals who are called web runners, because back in the '90s I called it the web, not not realizing how popular it was it. just around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like now people are going, oh man, the web. Could think of something more original, but but I, I thought it was a cool thing back then because I don't think. It, Anybody was calling the uh, the internet the web, but anyway. Uh, so when when this web of beacon points through time and space and all these dimensions were all finished, uh, then you would be able to control time and space. So okay. our our main character is this this linesman running the, creating a beacon point in a frontier on another planet. And uh, he encounters these natives who attack him, and 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 so that's sort of the way the story kicks off. And then, because he's uh, a newly mutated, new newly evolved type of experimental linesman, he he has one flaw in his matrix, which is that he's way too sensitive to do this kind of work, and and all the killing that happens sort of freaks him out. And, and he rebels against his mission. And so the company, uh, which is called the Terminus, which is trying to control time and space, when they find out he's uh, screwing up uh, with his beacon point, they send some other guys after him who are also these time-traveling web runners. And, and they try to bring him in, and they can't bring him back in. And, and he escapes and goes back in time and space to... Manhattan in 1940 to try to get away and then that's sort of really where the story begins so we're not giving away much but we're sort of nicely, yeah. setting the table and 
And so he's, he's, he's this renegade, and the Terminus wants to find him. They don't know where he is yet, but then he meets this uh, kind of Veronica Lake kind of bombshell night, <laughs> nightclub singer, Femme Fatale. And, she reminded me of and, Jessica Rabbit, but that's just, you know, <laughs> see what right, kind yeah. of, like, my, where my thought process is all the time. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, th they end up falling in love and and then the story gets more and more complicated as as the the agency tries to bring him in and and he's trying to fight the agency and he he, he decides to um try to destroy the the beacon point that is the terminal point in manhattan and if he can just if he can find and destroy the terminal point in manhattan in 1940s then that will destroy the Terminus's entire plan to control time and space. So that's one part of the story. <laughs> good, good part. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so now uh, this is coming out from Dark Horse. Uh, you said you have plans to do more of these in the future, like continue this universe? Well, actually, the original series was done by Dark Horse, but uh, Caliber okay. uh, Comics. Oh, that's okay. Caliber Comics uh, picked it up to reprint it, and uh, and then if, if it, the book does well, uh, then we can keep going on with new stories. So this is sort of a way to just test the waters a little bit to see what kind of uh, reaction we get from people, and, and hopefully it's good enough that I can start doing some, some new stories with Terminal Point. Um, any any plans to maybe take it beyond a story? Because I, I think it would lend itself to a visual, you know, like either animation or you know, a live action movie. Like yeah, well. I totally agree. If anybody out there is listening, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that that certainly is is what we hope for. Is that uh, you know, comics do seem to be more and more of a vehicle uh, for making a movie, and yeah. and you. And you can't ignore that reality. And uh, I, I've, I've talked to you know many people over the years about it. And you know sometimes you get close and then it drops away, but you never give up hope that that it'll get picked up by a producer who will um, be the showrunner for it to try to make either a TV deal or a movie deal with it. So uh, I've got my fingers and toes all crossed. <laughs> Um, back to what we were saying about kind of, you know, having to evolve uh, now that, uh, you know, along, kind of along with the technology, the art, um, you know, the stuff you've done in the past was mainly in black and white. Any thought of like moving to color now that you're, you know, you've had to change kind of styles a little bit? Yes. Uh, well, the new uh, Zone Continuum book from Dark Horse that came out last year, actually about a year ago is all new Zone Continuum stories in color. Okay. Oh, so you like Wizard of Oz, that shit. <laughs> Go from black and white and oh, oh. drop the color. Bam! Right funny, funny, funny you say that. I did a, a graphic novel with Dark Horse in 2014 uh, called The Atomic Legion. And uh, it's a big, beautiful, hardbound, oversized uh volume it's about 240 pages long it's like it's epic it's monumental <laughs> and and it kind of does that wizard of oz thing where the first i don't know 10 pages of the story are sepia tone 
and and then when the main character enters this other uh, world where the main story takes place, and suddenly it pops into color. So I, I've, I've been doing color books now uh, for the, about the last three or four years, and I'm just loving color now. I'm uh, I'm all all in with uh, the idea of changing my my style, but. You know, I keep I keep looking at Frank Miller's Sin City, yeah. and oh, yeah. and just kind of you know I, I I I study his stuff all the time, trying to understand you know just the brilliance of it, and and I just love that kind of stark, really powerful black and white graphic style. Uh, but I I'm also looking a lot at uh, Mike Mignola's Hellboy. And, and I think, you know, he brought a very black and white kind of graphic style, but then there's this brilliant coloring technique to it. So I think, you know, the Hellboy is sort of like a model for me of uh, doing color books, but uh, trying to... that feel of a black, like a black and white book. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, hard uh, balance to get it just right. And I'm still... Still trying to figure it out. Uh, I, I did another book a couple years ago that came out of Dark Horse called uh, Mandala, which was another 200 plus pages graphic novel. And, and I really did find a, a very interesting, very edgy black and white graphic style uh, that blended into, with color. And I think uh, that was really... Uh, my most successful attempt so far. I think we reviewed that book at the time, if I remember correctly. It sounds very familiar. Say, it sounds super familiar. Yeah, yeah. Me, so. <laughs> um, yeah, so go back and check out the book and go back and check out our review. So yeah. Like, in terms of like finding your art style then, like based off of what you said, so like your inspirations would be like um, Frank Miller, like for Sin City and people you just named or... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, I spent I spent almost my whole first part of my comic book career sort of, uh, I, I hate to say old school because these guys are all timeless in my mind, but certainly Jack Kirby was uh, my main influence. And, and then, you know, guys like um, Starenko and um, Wally Wood and... Um, I, I'm trying to think who else, but I, I I was so overwhelmed by Kirby's stuff that I I was sort of in that camp for a long, long time, mm -hmm. and um, it just took me a long time to kind of be willing to change stripes and and let go of that to be open to new ideas, and. Uh, when I did the Mandala book, I think that was an opportunity because the subject matter of Mandala was so dark and edgy and sort of uh, radical politically. I, I wanted to find a more strange and almost dystopian kind of art style. And, and that's when I started taking a whole new fresh look at Sin City and and Hellboy, which I'd always looked at that stuff before, and I, and, and I always felt like in some ways I was trying to bring some Frank Miller style to even the Zone Continuum. <laughs> but I never really 
I think, worshipped it properly. <laughs> and, and so I got back into it and realized really just how genius uh, the work is. And I think that was the impetus for me sort of switching from the Kirby style to uh, the Frank Miller and, and Hellboy style, which now is, is in its own way now another old school canon of comics. Uh, I don't, you know, that, that's already 20 years old. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so like once, as someone who's not an artist, like literally like I struggle drawing a, a stick figure. Um, so like once you kind of find your like style, like does it keep evolving from there? Or once you've kind of like settled into a place, is that just where you kind of stay? Oh no, I, I'm never satisfied. I, I, it's it's funny. It's in my in the back of my head. I sort of know what I want my work to look like ultimately, and and what the style can achieve. But it's really slow, really getting there. I've I've got all these default mechanisms built up from all these years of of doing artwork, and. I have to almost do like a memory wipe or something uh, to get rid of those default habits. So my transitioning is go is very slow, and some days I think I'm getting it, and and maybe every now and then I'll do a panel or a page that feels like uh, now this is really where I want to be going, and then you know I I lose it again, and so it's. It's a it's a work in progress. I, I didn't think it'd be this hard. And I, and I think, you know, sometimes I go, okay, I'm just going to just kind of imitate these other guys that I like now, and, and maybe that'll get me on the right track. And it actually kind of makes it all worse uh, to lose a lot of my, you know, own personal style to copy somebody else. So I, I, I have to sort of have the confidence that I, I can just sort of keep percolating with all these new inspirations and not try to mimic it, but just have the confidence that it it will get thrown into the gumbo soup of what I want to do. Yeah, take but, it in, process it, make it your own, yeah. you know? And, and yeah, and be true to myself along the way with all that. and. And if that means that, you know, Kirby's in there and Stranko and other guys are in there, that, that's okay. It'll, it'll just keep changing. And, and, uh, and so I don't know if it ever ends. I mean, I, I, I know some people sort of do settle in a groove and they do their thing. And, 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 that's, and that's great. I, I, you know, I, I certainly felt like when Mignola was doing his thing, you know, he, he was doing the best work in the business. So I don't. Uh, I, I admire that you know finding of your niche, uh, your 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 style, and just uh, riffing with it. So I, I would be happy to get there, but I also think I'm so susceptible to other artwork that you never know when you're going to see something else come along and then go, oh, okay, now this is turning my head upside down again, and now I got to try to figure out how to incorporate those ideas too. So. I, I don't think it'll ever end. One of uh, I will say one of the best pieces of um, not only creative advice I've ever gotten, but just general life advice uh, was given to me by uh, one of our podcast contributors, actually, uh, Professor Next, 
who is an actual college professor, who was actually my college professor. Uh, and then when I was in his class at the time, he told me, I think he told the whole class actually, always be in a state of becoming something else. Always be becoming. Like right. there's there's always something else you could be adding to you you know to what you know like to what you're doing, as long as you are constantly working on that and constantly evolving, you know you're always going to be you're going to be creative you're going to be productive. When you stop when you get into that groove that's when you get like stagnant, and things right. don't change and you kind of lose passion for what you're doing, right. uh, and you know it, you kind of you find yourself you know stalled all around you know all throughout life. Um, so right. It's one of those things that's always stuck in my head. Always be in the process of becoming something else. Ne- you know, never stop just learning. Never stop just adding things. You know, to your to your repertoire. Like it's just always be becoming. Well, I I I think you know it's hard when you are in a line of work and you wake up every day and you go sit down at your desk and you you know you uh, have to find the inspiration to keep challenging yourself and keep it fresh and interesting and not get stale so i think yeah, that's i could speak to that personally yeah that, that's that's great advice I, I i used to be always frustrated that i wasn't as good as other people that i admired you know uh, and and it's even yeah you know, even to this day i go how come i can't draw like jack kirby or i mean you know they, they he would do a panel yeah, uh, uh, like one panel on a page of maybe six panels, and in that panel, the couple would be eating in a restaurant, and there would be a maitre d leaning over serving them food, and and maybe there was a stage in the background, and there's a little band playing, and and some other waiters are running around, and there's like maybe eight other tables that had patrons sitting and eating, and. And I look at that and I go, if I had to do that, I would crumble. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, I spend all day on the internet researching and trying to find clip art. And I, I mean, I just, I just couldn't do it. And, and yet, you know, that was one panel that he did probably in 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes tops. Cause he, he was just. They're cranking them out back in those days. I got to do six, six, eight pages a day, plus some covers and other stuff. And so, so I always used to feel like, ah, oh, man, I'll never be that good. I'll never be as good as so and so. And my, my uh, sort of a teacher that trained me in animation, he said, "Yeah, you're right. You'll never be that good, but you will be. You won't be as good, but you'll be." different you'll be as you'll be as good as yourself yeah exactly that will also be great but you'll never be that good to be that person or to be close to what that person could do and and that sort of helped me let go a little bit and not be so frustrated about it and and of course he was right i mean you you it gives you permission to find your own your own style and and be that good at what you do. Um, Bruce, tell everybody where we can uh, get a copy of uh, uh, Terminal Point. Well, Terminal Point now is, uh, it's already um, come out in its uh, first run of being solicited in stores. So, uh, but interestingly, uh, the first books that came out uh, there were printing problems with it, oh. and 
it, there were some choices on the paper stock, and then the the um, the I, I'm not sure how to explain it. The the black inks were were not dark enough. I, I don't know why this happened the way it did, but it it was a little bit washed out. And so uh, we've just now gone into a second printing, which is now on shiny, glossy, uh, white, bright white paper, and the inks are real deep, rich black inks. I mean, the book now just looks incredible. And so now if you want it, uh, the, the new second printing, you can go to Caliber uh, Comics website. I mean, I, I should just make sure I, I, I got that right if I Google Caliber Comics. <laughs> calibercomics.com and then uh, you know search for terminal point it, you can order directly from caliber or you can probably order it also through Amazon but uh, I think it's better to get it through caliber because uh, uh, we cut out the middleman that way right to the source yeah <laughs> and uh, and then you can get the new printing which uh, I'm just so excited about it's just miles and miles above the the first printing all right well Bruce it's always a pleasure having you here thank you so much for coming back and talking to us um, please you know our door is always open come back again in the future definitely well I, I, I always appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you guys and I'm amazed you still want Want to have me as a guest, and, and we're amazed uh, that you just keep coming back. You want to talk to us? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sort of like a salesman, you know. Every, every time I, get, I I feel like the people that go on the talk shows, you know, I've got a new movie to push, uh, <laughs> but I I've got some more books coming out. I've got a book coming out later this year uh, with Dark Horse that I'm really really excited about. Oh, all right. So uh, I may be giving you another ringy dingy uh, <laughs> when that comes along, and see if you can uh, stand to do yet another podcast. Go for number four. I think the record is like five. So you're you're, you're almost there. You're right out. You're right out okay. of your heels. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming back and talking to us. This has been transmissions from the evil lair. I'm Seymour. I'm Undies of Wendy. And one last gigantic thank you to Bruce Zick, our guest for this evening. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>